Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour today, John Holcomb joins us, followed by Dusty Dvorak. John getting ready for that trip to Lubbock as Oklahoma State will take on the Red Raiders tomorrow night. Tip off at 7, <laughs> pregame at 6. Right here on your home for Cowboy Hoops in Tulsa, the Blitz 1170. Go Raider! I, every single time. Every time. It never fails. Go Raiders! <laughs> oh, God, the best. I've got the extended version as well that maybe we'll have to throw in tomorrow that that has the guy just shouting it over and over and over. But uh, you what will, a complete buffoon. We'll kind of make mention of this a little bit later. I'll remember to save this for John. But, um, man, 10 years, right? We're approaching 10 years since the uh, Marcus Smart situation in the crowd at Lubbock. If that doesn't make you feel like an old ass, then I don't that know what makes will. makes me feel incredibly old, yeah. <laughs> God, what a time that we had with that. Oh, boy, there were some hot sports opinions at, when that scenario played out. Man. Yeah, and that was that was also a season that the frustration for Marcus Smart, especially, but, you know, that team in general, but, yeah. you know, Marcus being the superstar, yes. the frustration for him, you could visibly see it building and building and building to that point. And, you know, that's that's not to say that, uh, you know, what Jeff Orr did wasn't wrong, but, you know, like, he, you could tell that at some point something was going to happen. Something was going to push him to a point where, if it hadn't been that, it probably something would have else. been something else. You could just – it was it was all over his face. It was his body language. Uh, I think I was at every home game that season, and it, it was just – you could see the cloud over him growing and growing and growing. The tea kettle had to release the steam at some point. That's right. It was going to go somewhere. If not – That's right. If not, it was going to be an even uglier situation. And then you get that idiot doing what oh, he did. Oh, my gosh, yes. Rightfully so. I think anybody would be – upset in that situation but a, a guy that would drive from waco to lubbock for every red raider oh. basketball game <laughs> he might as well have been Go guy i saw a story yes he probably was probably related to that guy yeah. uh so he did that not only for basketball but for football as well so that means he would have traveled basically like thirty-two thousand miles traveling to football and basketball Woof. games all year yeah i mean he's a, he that jeff war guy was a serious fan because he had traveled to 31 states and washington dc for basketball games and 20 states for football games so i mean he was i mean a legitimate hardcore red raider fan good lord and that was pre uh who was the who was the coach before the one that moved, went to texas that this was back beard. during the this yeah, was, yes was say, this, this was, was like Tubby Smith days beard before like yeah they really yeah I mean even reached that next level this was Tubby Smith and uh, we learned a little bit more about Jeff Orr the Red Raider fan at that time because Pat Knight going back to like 2008 or nine had called him out and was talking about what what a great fan that he was and how much he meant to the Red Raider family that's how we knew a little bit about Jeff Orr already. Right out of the playbook then, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. It all, it all makes sense. Dude, I had a mouthful of water when you said that. <laughs> God. It all makes sense. It does, yes. Okay, so this is just a general question. And, and you know, I think the way that we perceive, um, 
news and information, you know, and, and it being via social media, you know, a, a big chunk of it, at least, I think for all of us, social media, you're somewhat at the mercy of, I guess, what, what the, uh, what the content is that they decide to show you at times, right? Correct. So, so I, I, I'm saying before I'm asked this question, like, I, I understand how it can be skewed in a certain way where maybe one person sees it in a completely different way than, than somebody else. But does it feel like there is less hype for this game tonight than almost any national championship game in recent memory? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I'm trying to think back. It's the first time, like, from a regional perspective, and I'm even throwing in, like, the the South region. Just feels a little bit different when there's not an SEC school involved in this championship, doesn't it? Or am yeah, I, like, am I, I completely f- off on that? I'm intrigued by it as much. I love the game. I, I, love I do, too. Game. I think it's a fantastic matchup, and... This will be one of the first times since I've been doing Tulsa football that there's a team that I've seen on the field that year that Tulsa played that I've, I've been at their stadium oh, wow. to where okay. they're playing for a national championship. Like, I, I'm all in. And I've, I felt like that Washington has been undersold the entire year from a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in. But from a national perspective – I mean, it seems like the majority of the storylines circle around like Harbaugh, and that's it compared to the actual game itself. Yeah, I mean, there's not nearly as much, I think, just in-your-face hype as there normally is if you have a Georgia or an Alabama or even like you know Clemson and Ohio State and LSU that have made appearances in this game. Which is weird because Michigan is a blue blood. They are. They've got more wins than anyone else. Winning this program in college football history, although, what is it, one national title post-1950? Yes. Which was the, the split, split in 97? The split, which is why so, much, so many of the arguments about Jim Harbaugh and what he's done at Michigan, because I've heard multiple people that either cover them or have been a part of the program in some way have said, you know, Jim's pretty much accomplished everything that he wanted to or said that he was going to when he took that job. And when I first heard that, I thought, wait a minute, he hasn't won a championship yet. But yet Michigan is one of those schools that you throw in the blue blood category, but yet winning championships is just something that they don't do. And it's almost like they're, they, of course, they want to win a championship, so don't misconstrue what I'm trying to say here. But it's like winning championships isn't what they do, and it's like they've been okay with it because they're they're Michigan. And maybe that changes now if they get fortunate tonight to win and and beat Washington. I I don't know how that dynamic changes, but yeah, it's it's a it's a little strange. And I don't know if setting has anything to do with it either because, you know, everyone's a massive fan of the city of Houston. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not in one of the traditional sites, right, like the Fiesta or the Sugar or the Orange or the Rose or the Cotton or, or even the Peach Bowl, right? Like it's I, maybe that maybe that's part of it. But, yeah, it's very, very it just feels very undersold to me. 
and we're hours away from kickoff at this stage. Maybe part of it is also the NFL weekend that we just had, right? And I think just the the number of different avenues there were for playoff seating in both the NFC and AFC, and and you know maybe that steals a lot of the buzz over the weekend. Yes, that's why I I, I think there's... yeah, it just it feels like it's it's much more flat in terms of the hype than than any year I can remember recently put me in the Joel Klatt category which is I think college football should end on the first and no later than the weekend after the first the game yeah, should be played on a Saturday shouldn't be pushing it into January that's always been NFL playoff time anyway uh I I think you are you're going up against an immovable object and the attention span coming off of the final regular season weekend and then knowing that we're going to push this back even more for the next version of the of the playoffs where we jump to 12 teams, it's going to just seem odd, and it's going to be, I think, hollow in a way because I, I just think that January January in itself is is always built for the NFL, and you should be doing as many of these games as possible in the month of December. I, I agree. Although I would argue if this were Alabama and Ohio State, right, or or – Georgia and Clemson or something like that, you know, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's completely different. Maybe I, so, I just, man, maybe, wa- maybe Washington itself has as much to do with it. Yeah. I mean, we could sit well, here and talk is, about Michigan all well, that we want, but it's, you know, Washington has to play a pretty key role in this. Uh, the old- we may have to bring him down. We were having a, a little bit of trouble there jumping in and out but yeah it's and and listen i scott i don't it's a national championship game so you you tune in and you watch and i don't care about uh, any of the storylines surrounding it about you know the type of matchup that it is these two teams have earned the opportunity to be there if you're going to watch it you're going to watch it the numbers are still going to be big on this but just in terms of overall like how much that we've heard about this, it does seem like it has been a little bit on the slider side, just as far as conversations are concerned. But yet everyone says the same thing, right, guys, about the matchup, which is it's awesome. I don't know anybody that that likes college football and pays attention to college football, you know, outside of maybe their favorite team, that thinks this is a bad matchup or doesn't like potentially the type of game that we could see tonight. I mean, it's almost unanimous. And it's got if elements. You, if you watch college football regularly, I think everybody is is drooling about what this matchup gives you and the questions that will be answered. And it's got elements of good versus evil in a way, if you want to look at it that way. You know, if you are Johnny Rule follower, then you're probably rooting for Washington tonight. If you are the type that wants to, I don't know, flip the bird to the NCAA or – you know, tiptoe up to the line about what is responsibility in terms of what you know that your coaching staff is doing and the whole scouting element to that. Maybe you might tend to gravitate towards the new version of the NWO and and Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> Maybe so. So it it does have compelling moments. And is this going to be the last time that we see Jim on the sideline for Michigan? I think he's gone, absolutely gone, win or lose when it's all said and done, probably by the end of the week to an NFL team of his choosing. 
But yeah, I I think that this has a lot for almost everyone tonight. And the complete contrast in styles, right? I mean, Michigan is line of scrimmage. I mean, smash mouth defense, smash mouth run run the football over and over and over. And then you have, or at least the, the perception, right? And then you have the perception of Washington, even though I think they're more physical than than they're they're given credit for. But the perception is this, you know, high flying, air it out, Michael Penix, all the pass catchers type of offense, and uh, you know that that. That's fun, right? Like, it's, it's you love to see the whose strength wins in, in a matchup where, you know, these teams do things a little bit differently. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I can't wait to see what version of pressure on the interior that Michigan gets. I can't wait to see how Penix handles it uh, the same way that he did at times versus Texas. Uh, how much of the pocket can be collapsed by the edge rushers? Can the two tackles from Washington have as dominant a performance against Michigan as what they did against Texas? Because they are they're truly great, even though Michigan's way deeper at the edge than what Texas was. Uh, there are so many different things in this game, deeper and better on the edge. But, man... There is something of intrigue and beauty when it comes to a skilled passing game that is worked the way that it is from a quarterback that has as much vision, as much athletic ability, skill, and also as good as receivers as you will find in the college game. If there is a version of an offense that's able to overcome a punishing style, like I think I might tend to yep. kind of tip my cap a little bit to Washington. If it's going to happen in in the clashing style of matchups here, Washington has enough of the right pieces of the puzzle to actually make this work. And and you hope that Dylan Johnson's able to go tonight, at least to a, a high degree. We clearly understand he's not going to be a hundred percent, but you hope that that you know he could play enough to be a factor in the game. Because if if he is not a factor I know that Washington can still get it done, and I'm not ruling them out by any means if Dylan Johnson weren't able to go, but it just makes the job for Michigan that much easier, right? It, it kind of makes them more one-dimensional, and you're able to at least yes. game plan, I think, better for what the passing game is than if, if you're worrying about Dylan Johnson and the run game. And, no doubt. You know, I, think, I think the physical rushing attack that they brought to the table, especially down the stretch, caught a lot of people off guard. Uh, and it was so good, in fact, that at times that they kind of led with that down the stretch. And and the running game was was what put them over the top at times. So Cause Michigan, you hope that he's able to go. Because Michigan is already well-suited enough for the challenge that is Washington, right? They have right, everything right. that they need to to combat a team like Washington. And in terms of just matchup-wise, is I, I'm like you. I, I hope that there's not a lingering effect on that ankle. And, you know, this will be the best secondary that those Washington pass catchers have played against this season. I think to your point, you know, the Michigan edge rushers are, they're deeper and they're, they're a lot better, I think, than, than Texas edge rushers. Now, the interior guys, I think, you know, with Sweat and Murphy, I would say those two guys as individual players are probably better. But neither one of those guys, I think, are great pass rushers. I think Michigan also has better 
interior pass rushers than than Texas did. Um, you know, those guys are really good in the run, uh, but I, I think the Michigan guys get up the field better after the quarterback. And then, you know, the second level might be a wash with what Texas had, but yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be a blast to watch. And then, you know, I'm I'm very curious to see if there is any sort of of uh I guess from Washington, do they completely sell out to stop the run, right? Because unlike Texas, we've seen Michigan all year be patient for four quarters with the run game, right? Like, they are not going to abandon it. Even if it's not working early, they will hammer the run game for four quarters. They're totally fine with doing that. So do you get to a stage where you just have to sell out to stop the run and make them throw it? And, and you know, does Michigan ever... I guess kind of bite the cheese in that regard if if uh, if Washington goes in that path, but this matchup is awesome. I love it, man. I love it so much. It is Michigan, and the way that they're built essentially is it's you know you hear about pro style offense all the time, but Michigan has a pro style defense to go along with what they're doing offensively, and they've pulled so many dudes and so many scheme concepts from what's been going on in Baltimore. Like Jim and John have kind of flipped back and forth and shared a whole bunch of like div- different yeah. defensive assistants uh, that are there, and uh, it's got a it's got an element of old school mixed in with it. But this is more of a of a look about what like this will be a true test for Penix as well. And I can't wait to see once we move into draft season with all the uh, hot sports opinions that happen during the draft season about how Penix handles a challenge like this because this defense is more of a version of what he's going to get a look at on a on a daily and weekly basis right. inside the league. And even even this weekend I started seeing a lot more of the you know age things related to him and and draft stock and all of that. No, oh, so. we didn't even get through the national championship game I know, before I know. takes on that. I saw someone today you know, claiming that Caleb Williams is terrible and is going to be one of the worst busts ever in the league oh, because of decision making process. I'm like Buddy, it is January 8th. Like, we need to slow down just a little bit. Yeah. Draft can't get here soon enough for the Chicago Bears, though. I even though... And the Washington Commanders. Even though there was a little uh, radio interview that I listened to with... Uh, is it Poles or Pores, the GM there in Chicago? I think it's Poles, right? Poles. Who basically kind of said, first pick is for sale, if you guys want it. First pick is for sale. I mean, you should say that. You should say that, but it's it felt like it was a little bit different because it was uh, not just a national talking point. Yeah. Like this was on the Chicago radio network. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, we need to take a timeout. I'm Colby Daniels. That is Jeremy Poplin. We have a snack coming up in the next hour. We have John Holcomb and Dusty Dvorak joining us in the five o'clock hour. Don't forget OSU hoops tomorrow night on the road. In Lubbock, pregame at 6, tip-off at 7, right here on your home for Cowboy Hoops in Tulsa, the Blitz 1170.